0: else to do. It's the biggest win since the Florida game of last year. Mikey Keene, Mikey Superman came in, saved the day. And my God, if my voice cracks a couple times, if I sound like a 13 year old girl, it's because I screamed a lot and I maybe went a little too crazy. But at the end of the day, we got a huge dub. Hello, everybody. and Welcome to Charge On. As always, I am your host, Sean Green. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is why we do this, Nick. This is why we do this podcast and why we created it and why we stay up until midnight to record these shows because we love this team. And regardless, it's ups and downs, right? Last week, we're looking at this team after a 34-13 to loss and we're like... Where do we go from here? You just got your butt whooped to ECU, and now you're going to play ranked Cincinnati who hasn't lost a conference game in 18 straight games, right? 19, 18-19. And, Nick, we're at the game. Me and you went to the game. We had a great time. UCF, there, there was no question who the better team on the field was today, Nick. No question.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, first of all, you talk about the love of the team. I mean, obviously I live in Tampa, so I made the trip up there and the trip back home, which was a a three-hour trip that I did not see coming. And here we are just past midnight that we're recording this, but we're still ready to go. I want, I definitely wanted to get this in as it's fresh on our minds because it was a a very, very fun four hours just about this game was and really enjoyed it. And you said it, no question about it. UCF was the best team and I guess we got to give you your props here because you've been on this all year long. You said that you were a little scared of the East Carolina game and you really didn't have many concerns for the Cincinnati game. And you look at the scoreline, 25-21, UCF had to get their last score with just under a minute left to take the lead. I truly think it would have been a travesty if UCF didn't win this game. Uh, they probably should have won it by multiple scores. And, in fact, that's kind of what Gus Malzahn said after the game. There was more meat on the bone here. And, you know, that's kind of the, yeah. that's the only bothersome part here is they should have put this game away a lot earlier, and it shouldn't have been as stressful. But, you know what, UCF's an enigma. They are an enigma week to week. You don't know what you're getting. You try to figure out what they are, who they are. And every single week, you got a different answer. But we can tell you after this Cincinnati game, they control their own dest-
0: destiny now
1: in the American. And that's all you could have hoped for.
0: Guys, basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Listen, now we said it, right? We said you come into this game, you win this game, and your season's here. I mean, everything is ahead of you. You lose this game, and you're thinking, "Who's the bowl game? Let's make sure we get to six wins." And who are we playing? Right? Listen, and I don't like to toot my own horn, and I don't like, or I do, but I you do. I don't you know do. what it was? I do. I do. I'm not going to lie, and you know, for a second, I was trying to, but I watched Cincy every game, and they weren't. They just didn't impress me. And I think we matched up very well against them, and. Yeah, I almost even got the score right. I said 24 20 and it was 25 21. Couldn't have foreseen a safety. I mean, that, you know, that's something you don't see every game, Nick. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. And now I definitely couldn't have seen Mikey Keane coming in. That's for sure. So, I mean, this game was all over the place. And I think me we were just sitting in the stands, right? And we were just like looking up at the yards, especially the rushing yard difference. And we're sitting and looking at the score at halftime. And Nick, I think both me and you, and I think every UCF fan, was probably just looking like, how are we not up by more at this point? And especially in the second half, but even in the first half, we're like, I don't know how since he's sticking around because we were controlling the clock, running all over him, making all the plays, and we didn't even do the turnovers until the second half. Yeah, I mean,
1: first of all, you got to start with the defensive effort in this one. I mean, you after yep. they got boat raced in East Carolina, it, it was not close, right? and to come out in this game to make Cincinnati one dimensional, right? This is not the quarterback that you want to th- you want to have throw 45 times in a game. It's just not. Ben Bryan is not that cat that you want to throw 45 times in a game. And and by the way, I thought, you know, he made some really good throws. He was under duress at times in this game and I thought he did well, he battled, but they definitely wanted to run the ball and they tried but they had to quickly go away from it because UCF shout out to their front seven shout out to Travis Williams and this defensive staff. They set the tone right away and said, you're not running on us. You're not doing it. You're going to have Ben Bryant. You're going to have to beat us through the air. Your skill weapons, which I, I don't honestly see a lot of speed on that Cincinnati offense. It did not pop at all for me from the no. stands today. Um, I think that's, that was the game plan and it worked to perfection. So you definitely start with the defensive effort and yeah, Cincinnati, we kind of knew it already. This is not the team of yesteryear. It's not. Uh, there are some bright spots there, but I thought UCF, in every way, I thought UCF was the better team and deserved the victory.
0: In all three phases. I mean, again, we could count special teams. Their kicker's phenomenal. I mean, they have a great yeah, field. their they're kicker, one punter.
1: But, he did have a great um, pun.
0: Did every a great Oh, uh, uh-oh. He, but and he, he's Australian. We we have an Australian punter. They got an Australian punter. And he like, did
1: the bow, too. I don't know. He did the bow, too, after he downed it at
0: like, the one or whatever. So, I mean, but credit where credit's due. But on the defensive and offensive side, I mean, especially defensively, they kept this team afloat. And we're not going to say the offense was bad. They The offense moved the ball the entire afternoon. Really, was only a will, couple yeah. spurts. Yeah, like – Imposed their will, especially the offensive line. But yeah, let's talk. Let's give the defense all the credit they deserve, which we have for most of the season. Last week it was a stinker. I mean, there's no question about it. Thirty-four to ECU, only one punt. God awful. One of the probably, if you look at worst performance of the year, that's probably at the end of the day going to be it. But to come out, and I mean, third down efficiency. Four only allowed three four, third or four third uh, third downs which is what we talked about, right? We said, since he kind of struggles on third down, and they impose their will on third down. Uh, the rushing yards, though, Nick, I think that is that is the main reason why UCF, I think, won this game. Because besides the big run at the end, which, you know, we can get into the office and the credit of the offense of coming back and scoring, but that was the only big run of the game, be it at a critical time. They had 16 rushing yards, up until that run, UCF's defense to make a team one-dimensional like that and to stop a complete part of your off of Cincy's offense is remarkable. I mean, I literally am beyond impressed. And it shows uh, a lot. How they it shows a lot the about these game.
1: players because I mean, you're you're only a week removed from what happened in East Carolina, and you think about the adversity that they faced, and it's hard, man. It is hard to get your ass kicked, and then seven days later. Get back on it. And here comes maybe the best team on your schedule that you're facing. It is hard. And guess what their strength is? They want to run the football. But I mean, UCF just didn't let happen. And I want to, I want to get to a name real quick because we haven't mentioned him much on this pod. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about Baptiste, we talk a lot about Trayvon Morris Brash and Salazar. I thought Ricky Barber was fantastic today. I really did. I mean he, he, he's been around this program for a while and in the middle i thought he got interior pressure he almost got it's a shame he didn't get credited with the sack today very close but yeah. on that last drive i mean it got loud that's one of the loudest that's one of the loudest moments i've had in that stadium was on that final drive and ricky barber on that first play blew it up cincinnati still had what 48 seconds to go down the field and that first play ricky barber getting free and nearly nearly bringing down ben bryant for the sack was all it took so a uh, quick shout out there to Ricky Barber because I, I think that's one of his finest performances in a UCF uniform.
0: And do you know, see, and this is in the heat of the moment. I like didn't even see who got it, but the strip sack or the strip of the the football. I think it was Katie McDaniel. Um, don't hate on me, UCF fans. At that point, I was a little just going too crazy, and <laughs> you were a was bit crazy. jumping up and down. Yeah, it was
1: Katie McDaniel. It was Katie yeah, my McDaniel.
0: knee, my knee is that's what I thought. Um, what a play. I think there's two big plays defensively, which I think the uh safety, obviously, a huge play, especially after a turnover, and that. I mean, they still had 58, 56 seconds left after scoring. And listen, I had so much confidence at that point. I mean, they had no timeouts. They had to go the length of the field and to get that strip and basically End the game, huge play by the defense. And yeah, Ricky Barber played phenomenal. We were talking, give Cincinnati's offensive line, though, credit. I mean, realistically, there was a couple quarterback pressures. For the most part, it was tough sledding for that D-line. Like, Ben Bryant had time to throw the ball. And he is so accurate. We were talking about it at the game, Nick. And you can talk to Ben Bryant's, you know, performance a little bit more, but thrown to the sideline, he is deadly accurate. They didn't throw the ball, we were talking about, they didn't throw it in the middle of the field pretty much ever until it got where they needed to at the end of the game, but he was deadly accurate, and credit to our corners, they really stuck in there, like Devontae Brown, Corey Thornton, they really stuck in there for the entire game, and you know, batted some balls away that, you know, could have been completions. so credit to them. Yeah, but I
1: think that was both teams, and we'll get to UCF's offense as well, but Everything was to the boundary, it felt like, for both teams. That was clearly yep. the matchups that both teams wanted to exploit. Uh, you mentioned tough sledding for the defensive line. I was kind of surprised, and again, when you're in the heat of the moment, you know it's hard to really judge a lot of things, but you go back and look at things and you look at some of the numbers. You know They did get home to Ben Bryant four times, and there were a couple other times that they yep. hit them. So uh, give them credit there. I mean, still, it's a really good unit, and they were still able to get home four times, but they got there at opportune times very opportune times. And I think you kind of take that more than anything. You mentioned the safety. I thought that was a, I thought that had flipped the entire momentum back in UCF's way. It didn't really work out that way, to be honest with you, because UCF just kept giving it right back to Cincinnati and just begging them to stay in the game. But making those key plays, those turnovers, I mean, those are what you live on, right? And UCF has struggled to get those this this year, especially lately here. So Uh, That was good to see, but Ben Bryant, yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, I give him a lot of credit because that's a hard atmosphere to play in. I mean, just ask Desmond Ritter. I think he says to this day that 2018 was the toughest thing he's ever had to go through as a quarterback, right? And Ben Bryant went through that today, even though it was a day game, and I thought he stuck in there. I think Luke Fickle probably had to ask him to do more than they wanted to. Again, he's not the kind of guy that should have to sit back there and throw 45 times and but he never really put the ball in harm's way I thought there was one time it was on that play where Devad Wilson ran into uh to Devontae Brown I think they both kind of went up for it and then Devod kind of got the wind knocked out of him uh yeah that was the only ball that I think he put in harm's way so yeah you give credit for Ben Bryant there a little bit
0: no yeah and he played good um but again when it Defense just completely stops. Yeah, and they and also they kept of they kept
1: everything in front of them as well. Very, very been not breakish for UCF's defense. I mean, I don't recall yeah. maybe one pass that went maybe like 20 yards, 25 yards, maybe two. That's really it. Yeah,
0: no, it was it was a lot of dump off, dump off passes for sure. Yeah, a lot of to the I got crowd. It. Yeah. No, say what were you gonna say? Yeah, I think I got it right here.
1: There was a there was a 32, a 30. Uh, a twenty-one and a twenty-one, and I think a few of those were more catch after the runs there. towards the end.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, no, yeah, it was a lot of short passes, but they started throwing it a little bit, like you said, you know, uh, rack yards, and it was more so towards the end of the game. There wasn't a lot of big chunk plays. There was the one early. I think it was the second quarter because they weren't getting much and it was, you know, to the sideline. Yeah, like he, he had two beautiful play, throws,
1: but, one on the right sideline and one on the left sideline. Yeah, those one were one. his two best throws yeah. of the game.
0: No, yeah. And I give him credit, but I listen, I'm not going to sit here. and uh, Before the game, I said, I don't think he's that good. I think this defense is going to have his way with him. And he did almost throw for 300 yards, but you never really felt like since he's off. That's only clicked, because they couldn't run. <laughs> they couldn't run the ball. Um, let's talk about the crowd before we get into super keen. Um, we started at the beginning. We were a little nervous cause I don't think a lot of people were in their seats and I was a little PO'd. I'm gonna be honest. I was like, we need to be ready from kickoff, man. Why is the, why is there 50% of the stadium empty? I'm like, the student sections were filled out. Then five minutes in it was, it was sold out. I mean, and It was, it felt Nick. There's been a couple games in my life that have felt like tonight. And that was the Cincy game from game day and the Memphis uh, American Championship game with Daryl Mack starting. Those have been the two other instances where I have not been able to hear myself think. You, Night Nation came out. I have one criticism. And with saying, even without this part of the stadium, I think Night Nation showed out and made that an incredibly difficult play. Like, again, Ben Bryant probably, like, that you couldn't hear. Like, it, it was deafening. The noise was deafening, especially at the end of the game. Students that are still at UCF, if you go to a game, I get it. It's, it's Halloween. You probably had plans. If you show up in the first quarter against the number 20th ranked team in the country, do not leave at halftime. That is the only thing. The one student section was great. The other student section really half the half the section left. Left at halftime. We were up. So that frustrated me, but you would have never noticed it. I will say that. You would have never noticed it with the sound because it was deafening in the bounce house.
1: Gus Malzahn said that after the game as well. He he said that that crowd really aided them and helped them, and that's what the bounce house was. That's college football. I mean, that right there was the best of the best, and, you know, I think there was a uh, a lot of big recruits who were on the sideline as well who got to see the atmosphere at nearly the best that it can be, obviously, to see a win over a big-ranked opponent. So that's a big thing as well. But, yeah, I, I think the crowd was directly responsible for the push for UCF's defense at the end of that game. I really did. I I just, no chance Cincinnati on that last drive. I had full confidence because of the crowd.
0: Oh, and I give Cincinnati credit because the drive prior where they did go down and score, it was deafening too. Like it was deafening and they went down and put it in the end zone. So, but there was no chance in hell that second, like with the 58 seconds. There was nothing they were going to do. I mean, the crowd was way too into it. I think the cr- the crowd it felt like we always believed. Even when we were down by three, I was sitting there, and I'm like, we have three minutes left. Mikey's going to throw some dots, we knew UCF, and this crowd is into we, yeah, it. Yeah,
1: we knew UCF can move the ball. I, I think that's why the confidence in the fan base there just never wavered because they were really, again, they were, they were moving the ball at will. That, that was not the problem in this game, and, and we'll get into it now what the problems really were. That kept this game so close.
0: Yeah. But before we do that, I want—I do want to mention the recruits because you brought it up. They had, I f- i forgot the number, I think it's over 100 recruits at this game. Um, I have to look that up. But they had big-time recruits, people that have committed, like John Walker, at this game. And if I'm a recruit and I went to this game today, I don't think there's any better pitch of what UCF stands for, the atmosphere, the fans, the team, the camaraderie. Then this game, it's the it was the perfect storm. You had a sold out crowd that showed up that was loud. We haven't seen that. And no offense to UCF crowd, we just unfortunately, if this is what I'm saying, and I really commend. In a couple weeks, Navy is the crowd going to show up? Right? We. UCF fans are just like that sometimes. If we're not playing a big opponent, it's never sold out. It's great that we come and sell out Cincy, right? But let's sell out every game. But as a recruit, and I saw Caven call. He was walking up one of our sections. The smile on these guys' faces and seeing the atmosphere and having people know who you are and why, like, hey, come to UCF. Gus is probably smiling from ear to ear because he knows. I probably just flipped a couple recruits to be like, whoa, I want to play in that atmosphere. ESPN, 330, beating a ranked opponent, Big 12. I mean, and that's the thing. I feel like we can get those crowds every single game next year because every opponent is a quality opponent. You're not playing OSC State on your home opener. So, I don't know, Nick. Talk a little bit about recruiting, and do you think after this game specifically, you know, UCF might have flipped some guys or maybe got a couple commitments after this game?
1: Yeah, it's entirely possible, but, you know, recruiting is so hard to put your finger on because a lot of these guys and and the the guys who UCF are recruiting now, it's not like UCF's the big dog anymore in some of these recruiting battles. I mean, they're going after some four stars, in some case, five stars, you know? And so UCF really has to have a day like today to really stand out because, There's incredible atmospheres all over college football, and these guys are going to go take other visits as well. So you have to keep that in mind. I think what's most important, you have to worry about yourself and your program. And I just think everything from the on the field presentation, I mean, the black end zones, just it looked great. You know, it's going to kill the grass. It's going to kill the grass. Well, you got one more game left. It's all you got to get through it. It's all you just got to get through it. Um, the, the nightmare uniforms, I really enjoyed that with the black and gold. I mean, just always changing those things that recruits love. And, and
0: those are important. And, and listen, we were talking about it, right? We were like, those are clean, but it also is like 150 degrees outside. So probably not the smartest, probably thing, not to wear the black, smartest thing in but the world. They looked
1: clean, but they look clean. They did look clean. So, um, even the attention to detail, I was like, they did like the, uh, the duck game or whatever, or the, um. Uh,
0: Oh my goodness,
1: what do you call it? They usually do the hat homecoming. Shuf- yeah, like the hat shuffle. The hat shuffle, but they did it with a duck this time. Yeah, spe- yeah, 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 yeah. But they they did it with a duck. I love how the they spirit. I love how they like I just never have noticed this stuff and the, I love how they personalize it for every week. They did it with a duck. They had the field with the black end zone and they had like the nightmare helmet and everything. So, just the attention to detail in That's general. So nice. I think UCF they are on their game and the things that matter and i think recruits notice these things i really do and but they also they notice winning and they notice a team that put up over 500 yards of offense they notice a team that really locked down defensively they notice a team that took down a team that was in the college football playoff last year those things all matter so if you're going off of what you saw that was an a plus a plus recruiting pitch from what you saw on the field today
0: yeah, it can't get much better than that. And we'll see. I mean, a couple more months, not even. We'll see if some of these guys sign on early uh, Early National Signing Day. I know National Signing days in February, but we'll see. I wouldn't be shocked if we get a couple of commitments here in the next couple weeks, especially after that game. I know it's been a while. We haven't talked about offense, <laughs> but I mean. The elephant in the room. First of all. I know, right? I think most people would start off with offense, but we just do it different here at Charge On. You know, we give credit to the defense first. But first of all, we want to say prayers to JRP. Like, I don't know what it is about these bad concussions, especially in the NFL. Like, it looks so much like Tua, how it happened, and you never want to see that happen. I mean, the hit and then he being, like, the disgusting thing he was doing, on after that hit, it's despicable, yeah. I and, mean, and
1: Kamori Gamble gets the unsportsmanlike conduct,
0: that's absolutely ridiculous, too. And I mean, yeah, not much. Listen, I could say a lot of not so great things about Cincy right now after that. Um, like there was one player that was like acting like he was woozy after it, and I'm like, you just that's that's just way too far. I mean, you can. Go dab up your teammate, but there's nothing to be happy about, about knocking a starting quarterback out, Uh, and he was out. So prayers to him. I hope he, you know, I don't think he's going to play next week. I don't know if he plays for the next couple weeks. I think that was a big hit, and with concussions these days, you want to be 100% sure that they're not going to have any long-lasting problems after the fact. Um like, again, perfect to a situation, throw him out, get another concussion. So, um, prayers, to JRP. Hope he's doing well. But, man of the hour, man of the game. Uh, everybody wanted to talk bad about this guy and say he's not it. He sucks. JRP, you know, he does way more with the ball. Um, not saying us, I'm saying a lot of UCF Twitter just. Wrote Mikey Keen off, and this guy just came in as a sophomore. Even though you know he feels like he's a vet, came in and beat. I mean, there's no question. Like running game, yes, but he went out and was so accurate, Nick. He was immensely accurate with the football. Hadn't played since
1: that since that Florida game in the Gasparilla Bowl. It had been what? It's been what are we? Ten months? About a year? Ten months since he has taken a meaningful snap yeah. in a college football game, and he comes in in yep. one of the toughest situations. Right, quarterback goes down. UCF's having turnovers. You know, he cut, he came in right away too at the end of the, at the end of the first half. They're near the goal line. Obviously, they wanted to be conservative. They did three runs and punted. It got to the locker room. And then he comes out, and Gus revealed, you know, I talked to him in half, and we had a good discussion about, you know, what do you feel comfortable doing? What do you want to do? And I, I liked that from Gus because I think everybody was interested. Okay, how is this going to work? Because there's a reason why Mikey's not playing because it's the system. It's all a system thing. That's why JRP's playing. And it came out, and I there was a lot of the thing, the same things, you know, the, the sweeps and all that stuff. And I think Gus did a really good job of kind of adapting Noah a little bit times because there were the first two drives I think they were still trying to figure out what can Mikey do and you remember there was two plays in a row where they had him roll out to his left which was odd yeah and he had to he had to throw it away and I don't think we saw that again after that we saw a much more you know in the shotgun make your reads be decisive and I think that is the thing that stuck out to me the most about uh, Mikey Keen in this game was his decisiveness. He knew where he wanted to go with the football. And he didn't think twice. He just he just slung it, and I thought he had some really good zip on his throws. I mean, we remember he was a true freshman last year. He was a true freshman. That yeah. arm's going to keep getting stronger, and I I see a noticeable noticeable uptick in velocity. I really did. And there and I'm just going to be honest. And I'm not trying to put him. I mean, I'm not trying to put him down or anything. We're separating his his play and what happened on the field. I don't think John Rice Plumley makes a lot of those throws. I just don't. I really don't. I mean, I, I mean, it's little things too. Mikey Keene, when he was pressured, he had the wherewithal to throw it away rather than take a hit or, or, or go down, whatever it was. He had the wherewithal to throw it away. He even had one time where he scrambled really good and he was hyped. He was hyped and it got me hyped in the stands. I know it got you hyped, oh, yeah. just feeding off of his energy. I thought the team fed off his energy. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but both healthy – and I know that there are other circumstances to get in here, the red shirt stuff. But I just think a given that, given the opponent, the situation, I think Mikey Keene's your guy. I really do. I, I thought the offense looked – I know the offense has been great all season long. Honestly, statistically, even though I think it's been a bit inconsistent. But statistically, it's one of the best in the nation. I thought it flowed a lot better with Mikey Keen in there. I really did.
0: Yeah. It's hard because, yeah, like you said, prisoner of the moment. We did this after SC State, right? We're like, JRP had a crazy game. Oh my gosh, he's amazing, right? I think, yeah, I mean, do you, I, I, you know, but I, I don't think people quite understand. And I'm not saying UCF fans, but I think if we told a random Joe on the side of the road, this kid didn't play for the last 10 months, got benched pretty much. I mean, got told you're the backup. We're going to take this guy that was playing wide receiver over you. I know you just got one of our biggest wins in program history against the Florida Gators in a bowl We game. got better every game. We know that. We got better every game, got thrown in there when you weren't supposed to play. We're going to sit you. And then you sit for however many games you are supportive. Like Mikey, I will say that. Every time I see him on the sideline, he is a supportive Guy, supportive teammate. Oh. Does he doesn't? He could have like, entered like, the portal. He could easily, yeah. could have easily went to the portal. Could have said, "I'm I'm not doing this. I'm gonna just go to the portal, find my next school." Like Timmy Cl- McLean lost the job, went to the portal, scout team, but he will he left. He'd be playing right now. <laughs> he could he could be playing. Mikey Keene did something tonight that. I don't think many other quarterbacks in the nation can do. And I listen, again, I can be prisoner of the moment. I don't know if a backup like Mikey Keene, who I don't think will be a backup after this year, whether it's with us or whether he's on another team, can come in against a ranked opponent that has won as many straight games in the conference as Cincy, who you smoked us last year, where Mikey was the quarterback, smoked us. And lead your team. And not just lead them, but show some grit. Getting that for fir- close to first down, flexing your muscles, saying basically, like, I own you. You're not going to do anything. I'm going to be accurate. I'm going to get my ball to the receivers. And you can't do a damn thing about it. You can't. Get to me. Try to sack me. I'm going to throw that thing out. Yeah. and
1: I mean... The game plan was was clear. They wanted to keep throwing to the boundaries. They had the matchups they wanted. That's when Javon Baker was getting more involved in that second half. I thought with Mikey Keene. and it was, it was just the placement of the throws. Like there were some of those. I mean, I got them. They were like NFL placement type throws. I mean, they really were. I mean, he was putting yeah. it to where only Baker could get it on a few of those occasions. I mean it. it it was I was blown away from the performance. And, I mean, you were talking about it, name another quarterback. I mean, the only thing I can think of in the situation was a little different was last week when uh, Clemson, when DJU was pulled for Cade Klubnick, who was the true freshman, and he came in and was able to lead them. So, I mean, that, that's a kind of a situation, but I definitely see the point. I mean, it's difficult for Mikey Keene. And I think the thing that stuck out to me, too, uh, was Gus Malzahn after the game. And you mentioned that he could have just got up and left already. Right, And he may do that in the offseason. We don't know. He may very well do yeah. that. But he could have done it like every other player in this generation does it now. And that, and that's that's fine. That's their decision. That's what the rules are. But not only has he stayed, Gus Malzahn said, oftentimes during these games, he's right next to me. And he's almost like a coach. And he's pointing out like, hey, this is not working. That's not working. Hey, coach, I think this might work. Think about that. Think about that. That is a rare, rare trait in a player nowadays it really is in a tough situation but i so i just yeah. i I have, I have all the respect in the world for mikey keen for what he did today you know you look at the locker room after the game i don't know if you saw some of the video and photos they lifted did, they yeah. lifted him up and it's like you can see that this team loves them even javon baker went on went on twitter and was like you know you guys have no idea how much we love this dude like it It's just that's college football <laughs>
0: that's the beauty of college football, right and i I know the red shirt stuff and who is one of, and who is the person in the bottom of the huddle who was one of the people that was lifting up Mikey Keene? John Rice Plumley, clapping, putting him on one of his shoulders, lift him up. there's nothing like it and I says it says a lot about Mikey Keene number one, and I think it also says a lot about the program right now. the fact that Mikey Keane didn't transfer and stayed, and the fact that he was contributing, he wasn't sitting on the sidelines sulking, like, saying, eh, I hope they lose. I hope they don't win because I, I could be a starter. Like, it says a lot about the person. He loves the university. He loves the team. And listen, I think whatever happens, right, got a long end to the season, whether he's here or at another school, he's going to be successful. He's a player. And so whatever he does. He's a player. He's a player. I mean, the kid's a sophomore. I, Gus, I Malzahn, mean, like, again, Gus Malzahn. Gus on said it. He, he's a
1: winner. He's a winner, and he, he told that's what he w. that's what he told Gus before he went out. Apparently, he said, "Coach, don't worry. We're gonna I'm gonna win you this game. We're gonna I win this you. game." Confidence,
0: confidence from a quarterback who hasn't and, played in ten months and was benched. And that's the thing, man. And, again, JRP, listen, he was looking good. In the At the beginning of the game, he was. I mean, he was making some good reads, especially on the RPOs and, you know, getting out of the pocket, making the, the throws to the sideline. Like, he was making some throws. He was making plays. But again, if, if UCF goes on a run here, you go to Memphis, and it, it, by all accounts, Mikey should be starting next week. You go in Memphis and and you put up a good performance, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't know if you can take the keys away from Mikey and say if JRP's fine. I just – and it, that's nothing against JRP. That's just saying, like, listen, and here's the thing, and this is kind of the way I view it, and UCF fans, you could tell me I'm wrong for this, but this is kind of the way I view it. Gus's playbook, we know. He wants a guy that can do both. He can run, pass, you know, that's just the guy he likes. We become more of a Cincy type offense and don't like, now we have more playmakers than Cincy. There's a reason we really wipe the floor with them on offense. Mikey Keene is Ben Bryant, right? Stays in the pocket, makes some good throws. Now I think Mikey's better than Ben Bryant. And some people could call me crazy for that. And again, thinking of the moment, sure. Mikey is so accurate though. And he gets the ball out so quick. That yes, the extra dimension of JRP's running and you know, the extra yards, that's important, right? That is. But Mikey is so intellectually smart and he knows how to play the position in the pocket, which we've always said is probably JR's weakness. I don't know, Nick. I think with this roster, I think Mikey King can bring you to a conference title and potentially New Year's Six Bowl game. I think he could be the guy. We just got to see it next week and see how he progresses. Cause it's easy to live up in the moment. Right. And we've said that yeah. it's easy. You just beat a ranked opponent and he led the team. Um, before we talk about the rushers, but I don't know. I think I, I have to agree with you. I think there's no way you can hand the team back if the team is performing at a high level. Yeah, And
1: again, I keep alluding to it, the whole red shirt thing. And I think Gus said that after the game, he hasn't played all year because we're trying to protect his red shirt. It's the same reason why, Castellanos he's gotten these like kind of moments in the game where it's a blowout hey let's throw him in there and just you know let him run whatever Man. just give you a glimpse of the future but we're not going to burn his red shirt and in this any but that's why Gus kept saying no our backup's Mikey Keene and in this game here comes Mikey for his first appearance and I understand the red shirt stuff I get it it's a tough situation because there may be agreement there who knows I mean Mikey Keane for all we know he might have some kind of thing like, "Hey, guy, I know you. I'm gonna leave after the season. Just protect my red shirt, please." Maybe I, I don't know. There could we. We'll never know, right? But yeah, UCF is t- in the interest of winning football games. It, it, I mean, I. It is a business. College football is a business now. Okay, it, it, it is 100 percent of business. Yeah. And Gus Malzahn's paid to win games. UCF has a program, their goal is to win football games, and I think right now you control your own destiny in the conference. You got two big road games coming up that are going to de- that are going to determine this in my opinion. And you have a realistic shot of being that group of 5 team to get that 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 bid. And who gives you a better chance to win? I, I saw a lot more and I know it was just one half of football, but given the opponent like mm-hmm. I said and the situation I saw a lot more consistency from Mikey Keene than I ever have from John Rice Plumley. That's just my opinion. I think there's more to unlock there, given if you give him a whole week to prepare and put the plays in there that work for him. I think it showed that you can kind of you can kind of tweak things in Gus's offense for him, and it works just fine. So yeah, I'm I'm I I don't want to put down JRP or anything because he has won five games for this team, but I I think Mikey Keen's the better is the is the guy at the moment.
0: Now we have to move on, but I do want to ask, I might be stupid for saying this or asking this question. Do you think a little bit of it today? Cause it did the play calls obviously were different, right? And we knew that going in. We said they're gonna throw the ball, they have to throw the ball because that's Mikey's strength. I mean is throwing the ball. He's not going to be running to the outside. Gus called a lot of games last year in this type of offense. I mean, it was Mikey's offense. Gus had in the DG offense, right? So it was very similar in the way that Gus was calling games. Do you think, again, it was a full year of not calling the, listen, the running quarterback offense. Do you think kind of Gus found it easier once Mikey came, came in? Like, oh, I... I know this. I am more comfortable. Like, this is something I've done more recently. Now, granted, he's been calling plays with JRP. So, I'm not trying to say, like, oh, he wasn't comfortable doing that. I'm just saying I think it was, like, the repetition of last season. As soon as Mikey came in, he's like, this play. And, yeah, talking with Mikey helped. But I don't know. The play calling just flowed so much better But like I said, not that it didn't in the first half, but especially in the second half. Yeah, but like I said, there
1: were a few growing pains. I those first couple series, which with uh, with Keen in there, and I thought it was primarily like I kind of thought that Gus was like couldn't help himself, and he tried he tried to do the things that he wants to do with JRP. He tried to do it a little bit with Mikey Keane, and he found out quickly that's not going to work. I think everybody in this in the building found out that it wasn't going to work, right? All I needed to, yeah. again, I, I go back to those two plays. All I needed to see was back-to-back plays, Mikey Keene rolling out to his left, which is something that we see JRP do a lot, right? And yeah. maybe the, 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 the defense recognized it both times. Maybe they didn't block it right. Maybe there was a, a lapse in the execution. Whatever it was, it didn't work. And from there on, we saw a different mm-hmm. thing. But I think the difference, too, it's just you have a, a year in advance of Mikey Keene and maybe not playing-wise because we haven't seen him play, but just the smarts. Everything from the neck up, I think, is there, and I still think, like I said, there was a noticeable spike in the velocity. So I think that helps as well of why it works so much better
0: tonight than it did last year. No, for sure, and we'll see, but let's talk two turnovers. Okay. The the one negative. Now, I... (laughs) This after the second turnover, I was thinking about how I was going to open the podcast. And I remember last week, Nick saying, You need to play a perfect game. You can't turn over the ball when you're playing a ranked opponent like Cincy. Now, clearly, I was wrong because we won, but two turnovers in the red zone, two that were, you could have, UCF ultimately could have beat Cincy by a lot more. There's no question. Um, the one was kind of a Mikey Keene, RJ Harvey fault. It was more Mikey Keen. Um, the Bowser one was strictly on Bowser. They just had, they made a good play, and knocked it out. Um, moving forward, now they got. I don't want to say they got lucky because they just outplayed Cincy on all sides of the football. Like, thank God UCF won because it would be such, it would be a heartbreaker if they didn't because they played so well. But having those two turnovers. Listen, Memphis, now I'm not saying Memphis is amazing, but you've got some tough opponents on the road, Memphis and Tulane. I You can't win like that. You, now, And I'm sure that will be an emphasis in practice. I mean, probably ball carrying and handoffs will 100% be a thing in practice. But Nick, now that the road is looking much brighter ahead, right? You can't be turning over the ball in the red zone twice on back-to-back plays. There's no way that can happen.
1: No, it, it can't happen. And that's how you lose football games. And I think that for a while there, we kind of were thinking, man, they, they're they going to lose this game. Like I know we got the confidence yep. back at the end of the game once Mikey got in there and I could see what was going on. But there was still at one point where we were just like, they're going to lose this game, and it's going to be because of those two damn turnovers. And that's, that's just frustrating. It's very frustrating because – you get down in the red, and that's where the that's kind of the one critique I had. Three for six, I think, in the red zone. I mean, that's just not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. They're very they're very fortunate today that they were able to get out with a win. And again, it's a four point victory that you had to get a touchdown in the last minute to do it. Right? It's not always going to be that way. When you're on the road, it's going to be even more difficult for you to try to pull that off. So, I think I think I, I mean I told you this walking out this is still not a finished product of a football team far from it. There are still issues holes there, but I think there are with every team that's kind of going for this bid for this near six bid. I don't think there's a perfect team or even a, even a team I can tell you definitively like, yeah, that's the best one. I think, you know, obviously UCF just put themselves in that conversation. Tulane is at the top of that conversation. And outside of that, I, James Madison's not even eligible outside of that. It's like, I don't know who it is. So I think there is flaws there, but again, I think if that's my only critique of the day, you did something right.
0: Yeah we'll always find something to critique though we always get, we'll always find something because it's true you're always gonna find something to work on um, oh. and there's definitely stuff to work on after this game for sure but shall you get to the biggest you're playing thing? a perfect game <laughs> shall you get to the biggest thing huh? that we saw in this game now? The biggest thing, no, the best I'm thing, to I think guess. What you're thinking? Oh well, I would say R.J. Harvey is my best thing.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent, and that in the
0: offensive line, co-effort. Yeah. Was, were you about to say something else? No, I'm just leading you into it here. Oh, okay. I actually appreciate it. I'm so used to leading. I'm you. doing. It's, I'm doing your job it. for you here. Yeah. No, R.J. Harvey, man. I mean. We've been saying it, not just me, you've been saying it, Rob's been saying it, get RJ Harvey in, give him the rock, let him do what he needs to do, credit the offensive line, we we said they are awful, we said they are terrible last week, they showed us out the door, they said, screw you, um, we're not bad, they really manhandled uh, that Cinti D-line, um, But RJ Harvey, man, two big, huge runs to get UCF on the board. And Isaiah Bowser, too. I mean, I'm going to give him credit. Um, He, that last, that the touchdown to get it to 18, he really powered it through on the Wildcat. And I said, listen, you hand him to him four times, give it to him. Like, if we don't get it after these four times, then, you know, that's on us. But credit to Bowser. But yeah, man, RJ Harvey, Nick, I, there's just something about him. I don't know. He looks – he just looks like a dominant running back. The defense is – he finds the holes. It's the finds it's the, the vision.
1: It's the vision. His his vision is top-notch. And and beyond that, I'll go back to that play in the first quarter where they do that little slip screen, I guess it was, and Plumlee kind of overthrew him, and he just one-handed it right out of the air. And I, I turned to you, and I'm like, he's him. He is. Like that's, that's the, that's the guy. That's the guy. And, you know, if you look at kind of the, the snaps and the box score and the carries and all that kind of stuff, every single game, he's been kind of just getting more and more and more and creeping towards Isaiah Bowser. And then here we go tonight. He gets 18 carries for 88 yards and Bowser gets 14 for 59. So there you go. RJ Harvey, he's running back one. He's running back one. Yep. He is running back one on this team. Again, it flows a lot better. Isaiah Bowser, we've talked about it this year. He doesn't look like the same running back. Either that or they're just not blocking well enough for him. Probably a mixture of both. I like him in the Wildcat. The Wildcat situations yep. at the goal line, he's great at that. Um, he's a good change of pace guy, but R.J. Harvey can do it all. He is an absolute stud right now. And I, I my only complaint is I wish we had seen more of him at the beginning of the year. But – He's yeah. here now, and, and that's really all that matters. And then, I mean, but he, but it was all around, even the running game in general. I mean, Cincinnati does a really good job of stopping the running. You run for 271 on them. I mean, they were doing a lot with the sweeps and everything to Ryan O'Keefe. I mean, Ryan O'Keefe was basically like a third running back in this game, and, and it was working. Yeah. I think it was 651 for him. So, again, they UCF established themselves on the ground in this game, and I think they just wore out Cincinnati's
0: defense a lot. Oh, it was bully ball. And you even said uh, it was more towards the end of the game since he just kept rotating. They were rotating. The you men. watched it, the
1: last like couple drives. They were rotating four defensive linemen after every play. There would be two come off, two come on, two come off, two come on. The same four guys
0: after every singular play because they, I think they were just gassed. It's bully ball. They couldn't do anything. It's like... At the end of the day, and that's why I think UCF had all the confidence. As an offense, it's like when you see that, it's like how can you not be confident? Like, okay, they're literally subbing out every single play because we are just dominating them on the line of scrimmage. I mean, that just shot UCF's confidence up sky high. And I do think, game plan-wise, this was the best way to use Bowser. I don't mind the 14 carries. Like you Listen, and it's not saying don't use them until you get into the red zone. I mean you used him when you were in your own you know on the, the 50. It's third and one, you wildcat it, you use him. I mean so you we used him perfectly. He's not your starting like first down back. And it's not there's nothing wrong with that. Like he was that last year, he's not that this year and it's fine, but use him where you can. RJ Harvey is your first down back. First and second, and even on third and fourth down sometimes. Bowser, you bring him in on certain downs, and it works perfectly fine. He still got up numbers. He still scored a touchdown. But RJ Harvey scored your two biggest touchdowns of the game. And they weren't like two yard runs. They were far out runs. The last run of the game, I can't remember how long far it was, but I feel like it was like fifteen yards, um, if I remember correctly. But it was an incredible run.
1: Yeah, uh, that's one thing UCF has just been able to do this this year is run the football. I mean, I went back and looked, and they haven't even factored in yet this game. But take out, I take out Air Force, Navy, and Army because that's what they do. You're just behind Oregon and Ole Miss and running the football. That's it. You're third. You're third. Pretty in good. football. You're sixth in total offense behind Tennessee, Georgia, TCU, Ohio State, and Oregon. That's it's five top ten teams. I mean. Yep. For as inc- that's I think that's the thing that's crazy. This is a two-loss team that scored 20 points one game, or 14 against Louisville, rather, and 13 against East Carolina, and 27 against Georgia Tech, which I thought was underwhelming. Like They've been kind of hit or miss, it feels like, offensively. Yeah. But look at the numbers. There is so much meat on the bone here for UCF to really get going here. And I, I hope they find it. I really hope they do. Uh they still got 4 games to go here and we'll see what after but I still think this is a, a capable offense and and tonight I think was the best and yeah again yeah and then you have to go to the offensive line you know Cincinnati came into this game leading the FBS in sacks leading how many sacks do they have today Sean Zero I think zero right zero they got one on plumley they got one on plumley that was
0: it uh, yeah Zero. Hell zero. of a job. Hell of a job. No, they that was a great like great performance by them. And they've gotten so much flack. So much flack this season. They have. So much, so many people just saying they are the worst. They stink. So to come out like that, I mean, give them all the credit. And we didn't even have time, but wide receivers, they played outstanding. Yeah, today, yeah, you know, like we know. a couple drops. <laughs> but I mean, same guys. They did, like, Javon Baker, him, O'Keefe, him, Kobe Hudson, him, like, because, again, Mikey Keene was putting some zip, and they showed out. So, great win. Now, it could go one of two ways, Nick, right? Biggest win, you beating a ranked Cincy, a team you haven't beat in however many years, team that was in the college football playoff last year. Everybody picked you to lose, even though you were favored, but we don't talk about that. Everybody picked us to lose. Everybody on game day picked us to lose, right? There's some confidence here, right? And yeah, you don't have JRP right now, but you can go one of two ways. You could live up to the moment and say, it's our destiny. We're the best team in this conference. We just need to play like it. And I think they are. They've got the best players. You just need to play better than the teams that you're playing. You've got Memphis. You've got Tulane. You've got Navy. And you have the team in Tampa that is basically UCF. Not talent-wise. They're basically a UCF team. I mean, that will be a UCF home game on November 26th. Right? So... I don't know. I want just give your final thoughts and kind of what you're thinking. I'm just thinking the sky's the limit for this team and it's up to this team to kind of grab it and say we're not going to let Memphis or Tulane yeah. take it from us because this season's ours. Yeah, I
1: still don't think they've played their best football to be honest with you, but I thought in this game they came very close to it in all facets. And I say that in a game where they scored 25 points, but I saw a lot of... What I liked about this offense, particularly in the running game, the offensive line we just mentioned, and the new wrinkle with the quarterback, right? I saw a defense that I thought played its, put its heart out in this one, opportune tackles and sacks, and, of course, the one safety, the turnover. And then, of course, special teams, which ever since Boomer has gotten in there has been fantastic. So uh, I think Gus Melzon said it best after the game. We're not going to let what happened in East Carolina happen again. He's not saying we're going to do our best. He's not. No, he came out right away and said, that's on me. I got to get these guys ready to go. And that's not going to happen ever again. And so, you know what? I got confidence in that. I got confidence in that. I don't think they're going to slip up again.
0: No, we'll see. I don't think so either, but we just got to keep getting better. Huge, huge, huge win. Must win is what we said. It was a must-win game. You can't lose that game, and all the credit to everybody on the UCF team. You gave us a great experience. That was a top ten sporting event for me to attend. That um, and the atmosphere—I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. I mean, people can hate on the Balance House; they all they want, you know. It is one of the best atmospheres. Um, to experience, I get it. You have, you have the SEC schools, you have Florida, you have Tennessee. Those are great atmospheres. And I'm not taking anything away from it. But I think most people that come to the balance house leave and say, wow, that was an experience that I'll probably remember forever. So credit to Knight Nation. You guys killed it. Uh, let's make sure the student section stay packed the entire game next time. We'd appreciate that. Um, but incredible performance by the team. Uh, we will be back on Thursday for your Memphis preview. Big game, the next couple—I mean, the next four—they're all big games. Conference championship aspirations are in sight, and we could still get what we want out of this season. Let's go get it. I mean, what are we doing? Let's go get. Let's go get a conference title and say bye bye to the American and say hello to the Big Twelve. Let's do that. Sorry, Cincy, you stink. You stink. I said what I said, and I'm sticking to it. I'm not saying Tulane stinks. I think Tulane's actually pretty good, Uh, but since he stinks. All right. Uh, I want to thank Nick as always. Great co-host. And thank you for tuning in to Charge On. We love the support. We love everything you guys have been saying to us. Um, We just want to keep bringing you content. That's all what this is about. We're all fans here, and we've got a lot of great content coming up. And it's all thanks to this team. We appreciate this team for giving us some good content. Um, This has been Charge On, presented by Bet Online. We will see you on Thursday. Thank you for listening to Believe.